Welcome to the Fantasy Ace Ball Podcast. This is your host, Tim Kanak. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Ace Ball. And you can find my written work over on Friends with Fantasy Benefits. And with us here tonight is Raymond, the co-host. You can find him on Twitter at Raymond Atherton. And Mr. Gabe is not here, but I think, Raymond, you had some pretty solid Twitter handle ideas for Gabe. And I think if anybody is interested in shooting out some Twitter handle ideas for Gabe after the podcast, once you hear the podcast, send them out, go on Twitter and at Raymond and I, and give us what Twitter handle name Gabe should have. But what did you have Raymond? Cause there were a couple of funny ones that I liked. Um, the one was not Caitlin, not Bruce. And then I forgot the other one. Oh, hold on. Do you remember? No. There were, he he was talking about the puppy chow one though. Oh, no longer Twitterless <laughs> Gabe. That's probably too yeah, no. long though. <laughs> no, that's pretty good though. <laughs> it's a, it's like the joke of the pot. I like the not the not uh Caitlin not Bruce one. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh so if it, anyone has a Twitter handle idea for Gabe, shoot it out to the Twitterverse, and let's see. Maybe we'll do a vote and make Gabe the, abide by the vote, Elon Musk style. Um, so news-wise, Raymond, we didn't really have that much. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit because there's been some rumors up, out there about like Brian Reynolds potentially getting traded in the not-so-distant future, probably before the season starts. And I, it looks like the Seattle Mariners, one of your five eight 15 teams uh, is number one right now for Brian Reynolds. So as a uh, 8% Mariners fan, what do you think about that? I think Jerry DePoto just likes to trade to, I don't know, to stay not bored. Um, But I mean, they do need an outfielder. Um, He'd be good to to plug in right behind – Julio, right? If you have Julio yeah. lead off and you got Reynolds hitting second and I guess who else do they have? They've got Teoscar and Eugenio behind them. Like, Don't all those guys pretty... bet right-handed? Yeah. They do. <laughs> France is, a, is France a lefty? For some yeah, reason, it's I think France f- bets lefty. Yeah, I was going to say, France is, I think, is a lefty. Yeah, so maybe you have France at third or something then. So if you went like... Uh, if they got Reynolds, Reynolds has to hit second. So then you go J. Rod Reynolds, France, uh, Suarez, Teoscar. You think? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they they have Adam Frazier too. Don't forget. Yeah, and they have Carlos uh, Santana, the ghost of Carlos Klenic. Santana. No, Frazier's not at the all, the Orioles, dude. Frazier's gone. Uh, oh, that's free. I'm looking at a free agents tracker. I'm they got Colton Wong. Colton Wong's a lefty. Yeah. He could hit second too. Colton is awesome. So they have Colton Wong and Kalenic. If he ever collected, then uh, he's a lefty. Yeah, Ty Francis, um, Ernie Suarez. Yeah, Cal Raleigh. They, they have to trade something. Though. If they trade Reynolds, they got to trade something good. I don't know if they're going to trade uh, Emerson Hancock. Maybe. Maybe they'll trade Kalenic, dude. I mean, that guy seems like he needs to trade it change of scenery and DePoto has shown that he's not afraid to move prospects, especially ones that you've, or they've gotten some exposure to. So 
Maybe maybe yeah, Kelnick goes the other way. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, other trade rumors out there are the Marlins are pretty heavy on trade talks for one or more of their starting pitchers right now. And apparently they want a heavy upgrade and they don't want prospects. They want like a an active player, an, a hitter, a good hitter. Um, so the Cardinals are going to trade them a hitter, Ellen Gorman? There are rumors of, of them trading a, a hitter. I don't know if it would be Gorman. I think it'd probably be an outfielder. And it's going to depend. It would depend on who the starter is coming back. Honestly, as a Cardinals fan, I don't know if I want Pablo Lopez because that seems to be the guy that they're most likely to trade. Alcantara, they're not trading. I would love to have Alcantara back. What a bad deal. Um, <laughs> I think I like Rod. I think like as a as a fan, I would prefer Rogers to Lopez because he has more control, and I just like his stuff better. Even though Lopez is definitely the better pitcher right now, like I think Rogers still has the higher upside, even with the bad year last year. Uh, not to give too much away about what we might talk about later in the podcast, because both those guys are in the tiers that we're going to be talking about. I think. Um, I don't know who else would be in. The Yankees were supposed to be in on him, but the Yankees just tried, signed Rodon, so I don't know who else uh, might be in. The Rangers obviously are full up now in starting pitching, so. Who else, who else needs to – I mean, everyone could use a starter, I guess, but who's willing to trade right now? I feel like a lot of the teams just don't even want to deal. You know what I mean? The Astros? Braves, the Braves would probably be in if they could, but they're in their division. So I don't really see anything happening there. Maybe the Padres. Dude, the, pa- the Padres are actually a good one. The Padres could really use another starter. Those major league talent for major league talent trades are so hard to pull off. I, I would be surprised if they got what they were looking for. I bet they don't do anything until the deadline. Maybe. They have so much pitching, though. The thing is, even with Max Meyer out, they sell like six starters. I think Braxton Garrett's like their number six starter right now. So they have they have someone they can move out. Um, and don't maybe, maybe Garrett's their fifth starter. I think he's their who's, sixth, though. Who's the prospect that came up last year towards the end of the year that was pretty good, too? Uh... Well, they have Cabrera. Is that oh, yeah. 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 And then they've, he got, got, Garrett, then they've yeah. got Braxton Garrett. They still have Sixto Sanchez somewhere in there. They've got Yuri Jesus. Perez, obviously. And then, yeah, Jesus they've Lizardo. got yep, Lazardo, uh, Lopez, Rogers, and Alcantara. So it's like eight guys that we just named. <laughs> I mean, Yuri's not ready. He's not going to start yet. At the, he'll be up at, sometime this year, I think, but he's not going to start the season up. So they've got potentially like seven guys there, I think. They already got rid of Eliezer, too, to the Mets. And there's someone else, too. They have, like, Daniel Castano, too, could start. So Castano was starting some last year. Uh, I think he's another guy that the Cardinals traded them in that same Ozuna trade. Sadly. <laughs> that just keeps – that's the trade that keeps on giving. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's done. I think it's petered out. Uh, some other signings. We got – John Segura. I put Sean Segura in yeah. the text. Okay, jo- John Heyman. Yeah. <laughs> Me just being a typical white guy, I had to call him Sean, right? Uh, so Jean Segura going to the Marlins. They were talking about uh, to play third base. He has to be have the, the least power of any third baseman in starting third baseman in baseball, right? Yeah, I mean 
depending on what the Tigers do at third baseman, that's probably pretty close to true. Yeah, or maybe Cabron Cabrian Hayes. He's Hayes for some reason in his rookie year. He had like eight homers in like twenty games, and then never hit a single home run again after that. Well, he had that hip injury, so I mean that kind of tends to take power away. Yeah, and he hits in Pittsburgh too, which is a pitcher's park. Um, so Segura going to the Marlins. Um, decent infield there, really. Except for the who's their first baseman? I don't even know who their first baseman is anymore. Miss Justin Bohr. Garrett Cooper. <laughs> it's Garrett Cooper. Oh yeah, Cooper, who's injured eighty percent of every year. <laughs> uh, they could use someone, man. They could use a first baseman. Maybe they get a first baseman on trade for Pablo Lopez. Um, next on the list, Corey Kluber going to Boston, kind of making the rounds around the AL East. This is his third AL East team in the last three years. Yankees, Rays, and now Boston. Uh, what do you think about Kluber for fantasy this year? You went on Kluber? No, I think he's a a streamer at best. I don't I don't think he's got much left in the tank. And the Red Sox are going to be very bad. Yeah, they probably will be. And it's a hitter's park. Mm. Has Kluber ever pitched in a pitcher's park? Well, I guess ball, I guess last year Tampa is kind of a pitcher's park. Too, I was the eye. just going to say the closest thing he's gotten to is Tampa, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Nate Evaldi going to Texas. That rotation is pretty sick now. What do you think of that rotation? They've got DeGrom, Evaldi, Gray, Haney, and Martin, Martin Perez. Yeah, I think Martin Perez is kind of a question mark. Like, I think... I think he had probably a career year. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up again, but I mean, he doesn't have to be a number two pitcher anymore. Like, it, yeah. it all, I mean, DeGrom has to stay healthy. Perez has to be some new version of what he was last year. And then um, John Gray keeps getting better outside of Colorado. So, yeah, I mean, I like the Rangers. I like what they're doing. I love Corey Seager. He's one of my favorite players. Um, yeah, I just like, hope I hope I hope it all clicks. Yeah, they have a lot of injury prone guys between Haney and Degrom in the same rotation, and then the good thing is Prez is an innings eater, right? So they got him there, but then they also have a ton of young, really good pitchers in the minors. They have uh, Owen White, Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, Brock Porter, for like. Just off the top of my head, like four. I think there's another one in there too somewhere. I can't. I, I'm not thinking of them. They got four or five pretty elite uh, starting pitchers in the minors, like in their top ten prospects. So um, they've got some guys that could jump in there to fill in if something happens. Uh, Rich Hill to the Pirates. Anything on that? You're gonna be get some streaming Rich Hill. Do you think when Rich Hill is against? Gabe's Cubbies, are you going to stream Rich Hill? Yeah, maybe. I mean, like you just mentioned, PNC is a good place to pitch, but who did you say misses 80% of his games earlier? I mean, Rich Hill does that too. <laughs> so, I mean, what, he's 42. And the, he's still the, semi-effective when he the actually Tigers, plays. The Tigers haven't been able to hit slow-throwing lefties for like 20 years, so if he throws against the Tigers, I'll probably stream him, but 
No, super deep leagues when you just need a warm body. But other than that, no, he's probably not fantasy relevant. Is there anything else I missed in the news? I think that's all I had in the rundown. No, I think that's I think that's it. Cool, cool. Let's get into the starting pitchers. So um, we left off after Tier 4, and I think Tier 5, Raymond, is probably our last small tier. I think after that, all the tiers are like 15 to 20 deep. I so... meant to text you that when I was looking at this last night, dude. I'm like, I'm like these are just 200-player tiers. It's I just see a lot of globs like further down. You know what I mean? Like at the top of the pitchers, there's a lot of there's some separation between the guys. But then you just get globs of like, okay, these are all number three or number four guys, and these are all number five or number six guys. And like you just get these globs that it's hard to separate them because starting pitchers are just so volatile compared to hitters that it's really easy to glob a bunch of them together, I think. And I mean, I might be wrong on that. Uh, but that's what the F scores are telling me. And I trust the F scores. And then obviously if the F scores are telling me that all these guys are in the same tier, then I'm going to use my mind. I'm going to use my brain to say, okay, I think this guy's better than this guy. And I, you kind of, that's kind of how I do it. I, I tier by the F scores, but then I use my, my brain and the name and, and you know, what I think about the guy, uh, to, to move him up and down in the tier. So tier five, we'll get to our little baby tier first is well, it's like eight guys. Got number 28 through number 34. Do I know how to count? Yeah, seven. Seven, guys. Um, number 28, because we left off with number 27, Dylan Cease. Number 28 is Framber Valdez with a 114 F score and a 117 future F score. Definitely coming off his best year last year of his career. Number 29, Jordan Montgomery with a 112 F score and a 118 future F score. I'm probably the high guy on J-Mott, and you're probably going to tell me it's because I'm a Cardinals fan, and we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> number, number, <laughs> number 30 is Logan Webb with a 110 F score and a 118 future F score. Number 31 is Blake Snell with a 109 F score and a 116 future F score. Number 32 is Grayson Rodriguez, who I'm also very high on as per uh, CBS. I think Frank and, and Chris Welsh were talking a little crap about how high I drafted Grayson. And then Scott came to the, my defense a little bit, and Scott was like, I don't know, guys. Like, Grace is pretty good. So, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, number 32 starting pitcher with a 117 F score. And get this, a 144 future F score. And I'll tell you, this reminds me of where I had Shane McClanahan last year because I was drafting McClanahan everywhere last year, and he had that same kind of upside on the, on the future F score. And that is what drew me to McClanahan. So um, Grayson, the injury, because there's a lot of hype on Grayson Rodriguez last year, but I feel like coming into this year so far, there's not that much hype on him uh, because probably because of the injury, people are pushing him down. And I don't know, he's elite, <laughs> elite, elite. Uh, number 33, Lance Lynn, 112 F score, 112 future F score. He's older, so probably at his peak, if not past it at this point of his career. And number 34, to round out the tier, our good friend Robbie Ray with a 108 F score and a 120 future F score. So, Raymond, uh, who in this little tier here, this little baby tier, who do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Lance Lynn for very selfish reasons because I might keep him in a league and I don't know what to do. I think we talked about that at that league. I was telling you, 
to do I it. I would yeah. recommend Lance. Your other keeper was someone a much better pitcher, right? But they're like a third or fourth rounder. It was Sandy, and he's like a third yeah, rounder. Sandy in the third, yeah. Lynn in the nineteenth round or something like that. Yeah, I think I do, Lynn. I, when you look at his F scores, he's just so look how consistent he is. Yeah. His durability is down. A one away durability because he got hurt for the first time in like ten years. <laughs> I remember I remember when he was in the Cardinals, he got hurt once. He's a reliever, and then he, he got hurt when he transitioned, I think, from reliever to starter. And then he was pretty solid uh innings wise, like his whole career after that point. So uh Lynn's a workhorse. Like we were comparing Manoa to Lynn a little bit as far in, when it comes to the durability and the body type. And um, he's still good. Like he still has a 14% above average stuff. So 114 stuff, 123 control, 105 FERA. And part of that FERA coming down is the fact that he pitches in Chicago on the South side, which is a hitter's park. So that doesn't help him. And also Chicago's defense ain't the best, but it should get better because they're not going to have Eloy in the outfield anymore. So that should help. I think going forward. Um. Well, I mean, that, that's my thoughts on Lynn. Uh, you got anything to add on Lance Lynn? Yeah, I mean, um, I think like we've talked about, that whole White Sox team is going to get better. And he doesn't walk anyone, which is great for fantasy. But um, he had pretty middling indicators otherwise last year. But he was coming off a pretty pretty serious injury and still pitched just sub-four ERA. And I mean, like you said, he's he's durable. He has a good shot to pitch two hundred innings. So yeah, I like Lance Lynn. I think he's he's not like he doesn't have a top five season or top five starting pitcher season in in him anymore, I don't think, but he's got a really high floor. Anyone else in this tier that you want to talk about? Me? No. You want to talk guys. about your... Yeah. Yeah, I got two guys I want to talk about. First, I want to talk about Jordan Montgomery. Um, after he was traded to the Cardinals, Jordan Montgomery had an 18.8% K minus walk rate. He had a 311 ERA after uh, there was like one or two really bad starts at the end of the year that kind of blew that up, but he was like at one before that. Um, he was throwing the ball in the zone a lot more, 62.7% first pitch strike. So that's pretty solid. 11.1% swinging strike rate. Um, I just really like Montgomery, a mostly ground ball pitcher who throws a lot of strikes in St. Louis with that defense behind him and in a park that suppresses home runs going from Yankee Stadium with the Aaron Judge home run balls to St. Louis, um, and as a lefty, it's it's just really good. Like it's it's just a really good combo. It's like Quintana was the same when Quintana came to St. Louis. He was pitching like a top 40, 50 pitcher, uh, just because the defense and the type of pitcher he is in the ballpark. And I think it just really the ballpark really accelerates it. Uh, accentuates. Jmont's best attributes. Um, so that's really why I have him up there is I think that it's just going to help him get be him, his best self. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's even ace, but 
Jamont as your number three starter is really, really nice, I think. Uh, and I think you're going to get very dependable ERA numbers, whip numbers. Um, he's going to pitch a little bit over a K per nine. So he's going to, and he's going to, he should be durable for the most part. So I think you're getting a really solid pitcher. And if you draft like someone like Tyler Glass now as your number two, then probably you want to pair someone like Jordan Montgomery uh, or Lance Lynn for that matter with that Tyler Glass now as your number three starter, I would say. Dude, I forgot how good he was after he got traded to the Cardinals. I I'm I was in a couple shallow leagues last year and I picked him up in a ten teamer and he had like that crazy stretch where he won like I want to say he won like six games in a row, didn't allow an earned run for like twenty something innings. Like he was hot when he got to St. Louis. Yeah, he was. And then I think he played the Dodgers. And they destroyed it. Like there's a yeah, there's one game at the like end of the year. Runs. Where he's, yeah, yeah, he just got rocked by the Dodgers or something like that at the, at the end of the year. Um Yeah. Yeah, absolutely destroyed. But but that's the thing, it's one game. So one game that'll do that if, in small sample sizes. One game can just rock somebody, but um it's like he what he what he pitched I can't remember that game. You gotta pull up, he pitched like two innings and gave up a Seven runs or something like that. Yeah, he had two really bad starts in a three-start stretch. Uh, six earned, five innings against the Brew Crew, and then two starts later against the Dodgers, four innings, seven runs, six earned. So well, yeah, some... he had two two bad starts after he got traded, but before then, like, yeah, dude, he, he was, was at a career out. high innings. So last year he pitched one hundred and seventy in the third innings, which was his career high. And so maybe just, it's just part of that wet, like pitching more innings than normal, wearing him down a little bit. So um, that's what I would call that. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think, I think you got a really good pitcher here. I know a lot of people are pitching are picking him in like the late forties, fifties, but I'd be picking him higher than that. I'll probably be getting a lot of them this year. I wanted to ask you, I was listening to CBS today and they were talking about, the shift and how it's going to boost average and yada yada should should we take into account ground ball pitchers potentially having a inflated whip more runners on base higher era because of the shift ban i think it might honestly it's just going to put more of a premium on defense and i do take defensive factors into account with the f scores not just part factors so that's like one of the really important things like the Mariners getting Colton Wong is a super underrated move. I think Colton Wong is like a two or three time gold glove winner at second base. Um, he's really good. <laughs> like, like getting someone like that, like a second baseman who has that kind of range. That's just a really good move getting someone like that. Um, so I think it's just going to put more of a premium on the infield defense. So someone okay. like Correa, like I was going to say, like if Correa was playing short, like one of those shortstops who can be, who has that super, super range, this shortstops and second baseman and their ranges are just going to get tested a lot. It's going to be a lot about like, about minimizing, like you're not going to be able to put Mike Moustak as a second or even Nolan Gorman is probably not going to be able to play much second. So, um, Mookie Betts. Yeah. 
Is this going to be uh, this going to be more of a premium on infield defense? Which one? Even though I just said, hey, the Brewers traded Colton Wong, but Bryce Terang is supposed to be like a defensive beast. Uh, so this gives them the opportunity to to move him and and I think it's just going to put more of a premium on those up the middle positions on defense, which was kind of lacking oddly for like, I don't know, six, seven years. Like you remember growing up most of the time, the center fielders, the second baseman, the shortstops is all just like skinny fast guys that weren't great hitters. Right. Like, I mean, you had your yeah. a rods and stuff like that, but I think we, we're going to get a little bit of a rebound to that kind of thing in baseball. Um, lefties, I think it's in, Lefty pitchers, it's going to be more critical for lefty pitchers now, I think, to have lefties who can get lefties out. Um, I don't know. Man, it's so interesting. Like, there's so much data in in fantasy baseball. You just have to, like, pick what you think is important and try and gather as much data as you want and form an opinion. Yeah, and hope you're right. Which, um, I mean, that's a part of that's why if you're a good fantasy player, you're always evolving your data. Like my yeah. F scores. I'm I did, like I had yeah. my F, I made my F scores last year and I didn't just leave them the same as they were. I made changes to them in ways that I thought would improve the system. So um like doing lefty righty splits for park factors instead of just straight up park factors is one of the things. And changing my speed from sprint using sprint speed to home to first time. So things like that. Um, things that I think will improve this. So. Uh, the other guy in this tier I wanted to talk about is Grayson Rodriguez. Obviously, dude's a beast. I don't know why he's being drafted lower. At AAA last year, Grayson Rodriguez, before his injury, and he was about to be called up, Pitch 69 and two-thirds innings, 28% K-minus walk rate, 15.1% swinging strike rate, 0.93 whip, and 2.2 ERA. Why is Grayson Rodriguez not getting drafted higher? Like, I, when I watch him pitch, he reminds me of Jose Fernandez. Um, and I know Scott says that too, but, it, like, legit, like, you know, I live in Miami, and I watch a lot of Jose. And he reminds me a lot of Jose Fernandez when you watch that pitch. Oh uh, yeah, I have a rest in peace Jose Fernandez shirt. It's it's pretty cool. I was absolutely devastated when that happened. But um no, I like Grayson Rodriguez. I think I think as we go forward and we're still in December, like ADP only means so much right now. Like every everything's going to change in the next four months. I bet, I bet Rodriguez works his way up to like at least 150, maybe the top hundred after he's healthy for a spring. If we get worried, he's going to break camp. He's going to skyrocket up draft boards. So yeah, I think he's going to be good. And Baltimore is a good place to pitch now. So the one negative I think you had against him is not so negative anymore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they move they move the walls out, and on top of it, he's a righty. So, oh, did uh, you see? I don't know if we talked about this, but the Orioles were getting trade interest in Jorge Mateo. They should move him. They don't need him. They've got too many guys yeah. at this point. Yeah, you you said they're he's blocking 
both of their stud infielders, right? And then, I don't know, he had a career year last year, so I don't know how much staying power he has either. Like, yeah, well, he's fast, are, but... They already signed Adam Frazier, so no, they don't even have... They were already block. He was already blocking guys, in my opinion. Then they signed Adam Frazier. So they've they got Adam Frazier at second. They've got Gunner at either third or shortstop. He can play either. Then they've got Ramon Arias, who can play third and second. Uh, then they've got Mateo, who can play short and second. And then they've got Connor Norby, who's a second baseman, top 100 prospect. Maybe. And they've got Jordan Westberg, who can play shortstop in second and third, and he's a top 100 prospect. So I think Mateo plays the outfield a little bit, so maybe they'll have him play left. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he gets um, traded for Pablo Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> um, is Gunnar Henderson uh, still a rookie, or did they call him yes. up too early last year? No, know? they timed it the same the same way the Diamondbacks did with Corbin Carroll. They timed that. Yeah, I think I think the Orioles are going to make a push for those Rookie of the Year picks, and they're just going to let they're going to let uh, Grayson. Rodriguez break camp. If not, wait till the Super Two deadline or whatever at the he end should. of April, and he'll be he up. He would have been May. up. He he would have been up last year anyway. He would have been up this. He would have been up even earlier than than Gunner. So they should. He would have been up with Rutschman probably. Dude, um, I, the Orioles got something going. I'm kind yeah, of sad fun. they didn't spend any money this year, but I think it's still a year early. So maybe. Maybe yeah. they'll get Shohei next year. There's a lot of there are a lot of starting pitchers that are free agents next year. They could get they could like go big on someone like Aaron Nola, just like throw a ton of money at Aaron Nola or something like that. I really don't see so, Nola leaving Philadelphia, but um, that'd be like a guy that they should go after if <laughs> if they're going to go after anybody, just go big on a starter because they have a lot of hitters in in the minor league system that are going to turn out. For what it's um, worth, roster resource has Grayson Rodriguez as their fifth starter. That's how it should be. He should be starting, I think. Um, they have DL Hall, too. I think DL Hall's going to end up in the bullpen, probably, unless he can get that control. Uh, on, like, if he, unless he harnesses that control, he just looks a lot like a Josh Hader to me. So, next tier is number 35 to number 57. So we'll see if we can get three tiers in here. Raymond's pretty doubtful. We'll see. Raymond, let's see if we can do it. Uh, <laughs> 35, Luis Severino, who should be higher if he's healthy, but he's always hurt. So 102 F score, 106 future F score. Number 36, Christian Javier, everyone's favorite pitcher now because of the playoffs. 108 F score, 117 future F score. Number 37, Logan Gilbert with a 107 F score and a 117 future F score. Number 38, Drew Rasmussen with a 106 F score, 122 future F score. I think I'm the high man on him. Probably Gilbert too. 39, Freddie Peralta. Everybody forgot about fastball Freddie because of the injury. 104 F score, 105 future F score. Number 40 of Nick Lodolo with a 103 F score and a 117 future F score. 41, Joe Ryan with a 104 F score, 117 future F score. He's kind of forgotten too, I feel like, Joe Ryan. Uh, he was like really hyped last year, and I don't hear much about him right now in early draft season. Number 42, Hunter Brown, my boy, as you know, I traded for him in not new league, 105 F score, 139 future F score. 43, Hunter Green of the Reds, 101 F score, 117 future F score. 
44, Nasty Nestor Cortez with a 107F score and a 120 future F score. 45, Pablo Lopez, the man we've been talking about. 106 F score, 107 future F score. 46, Chris Bassett, 109 F score, 108 future F score. 47, Charlie Morton. Here's our little old mini tier in the middle of this tier. 107 F score, 108 future F score. 48, Andrew Haney, 105 F score, 107 future F score. 49, Jeffrey Springs with a 105 F score and a 116 future F score. Number 50, Brady Singer with a 104 F score and a 113 future F score. Told you guys this was a big tier. 51, Tony Gonsolin with a 108 F score and a 124 future F score. Oh, sorry, 104 F score, 105 future F score. 52, Brian Bayo with a 108 F score and a 124 future F score. 53, Kode Senga, the ghost forkball in action. 107 F score, 111 future F score. 54, Miles Michaelis, 109 F score, 110 future F score. Jose Barrios, 105 F score, 107 future F score as number 55 starting pitcher. 56, Jesus Lazardo with a 101 F score and a 113 future F score. And to round out this gigantic tier, Lucas Giolito, number 57, with a 105 F score and a 102 F score, future F score. I had to put Giolito in here, I think, Raymond. Uh, just based on past performance, even though he was so bad last year. Uh, I just think, you know, like that could just be one of those years. But anyway, Raymond, tell us about a couple guys in this tier that you want to discuss. Well, we can start with Giolito because he is one of the guys I want to discuss because I I was all in on him last year, and he just – everything went wrong. His ERA was almost five. He couldn't throw strikes. He's giving up too many home runs. Like nothing went well for him, and I, I have no idea why. I think it has to be something with mechanics because there was something when he first came up. He was he was like the one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, and when he first came up, he was atrocious. And the Nationals were like, "We don't want this guy anymore," and they kind of threw him away. In that in that trade, uh, I, you know, like every, I, you, you really didn't see top tier pitching prospects getting traded the way that Giolito was just thrown into a trade. Um, so him getting traded away, then he's bad. Then all of a sudden he's amazing for what three? Maybe not amazing, but really really good, top notch for what three years? There were like there's like three good years there. I think I don't know if you've got them pulled up, but there's about three good years uh, where he was like top 10 to top 30 starting pitcher. And then he just had the year last year and it's like fell off a cliff. So to me, it's got to be something mechanical. He just didn't have down pat. And hopefully during the off season, it's something that he can work on and get back to to what he was doing. I mean, his ERA has always hovered around three and a half. Like his best ERA is 341 in 2019. But like, he just – I mean, he struck out almost 180 batters in 2021 and then just – it plummeted. Like, I, I think he's still got swing and miss stuff, but I don't know. Maybe he's destined for the bullpen and he's the next great closer, but I don't know. I want him to be good. Maybe that's why I wanted to talk about him, just wish it into existence. He still had last – even last year, he still had swing and miss stuff. He's still throwing strikes. Maybe he just played the Yankees too many times because 
Um, a lot of what kills Giolito, and it has through his career, is he gives up a lot of home runs. And um, maybe he gave up too many home runs that weren't solo home runs. I'm not really sure because even in a bad year with a 4.9 ERA, his Sierra last year was still 3.79. So that that's pretty solid. Uh, 3.79 Sierra in a down year with a 16.6% K minus walk rate in a down year. And 29% CSW, all that is above league average. So all that kind of shows that he should rebound. I think it's like it's just kind of an outlier. I don't know, just bad luck. I'm not really sure. But um, by the dip, right? That's what uh, that's what they say. Like yeah. maybe. Yeah, I mean that's why I want to throw him in this tier. The thing is, he was never he was never as good at like. He was always really good, but like you were saying, like he's three five three five ERA. A lot of that is just a lot of home runs, and he's in a hitter's park, so it's gonna hurt him. Um, who do you want to talk about? Um, one guy that I think is being not enough attention is Drew Rasmussen. I had Drew Rasmussen last year in almost every fantasy baseball league. And he did not disappoint. I had him last year ranked around like 55 or something. And I'm bumping him up. A lot of people still have him in that 55 range. And I get it. A lot of that is based on the durability. The Rays like to do raise things and pull a lot of their, their pitchers after five innings. Um, he had a nice stretch last year where he was pitching six innings pretty consistently. He's not going to be Zach Greinke and pitching eight innings in ball games. It's just not going to happen. But he's really good when he pitches. His F scores, he's got a 107 stuff score, 112 control, and 122 FERA. Um, he's to me, I think Rasmussen is just one of those guys that people aren't paying attention to, and maybe a part of that is that he used to be a bullpen pitcher. Um, or that he's a raised pitcher and people just don't like raised pitchers because they know how the Rays do weird things. I don't think he's going to be a 284 ERA guy like he was last year, but he should still be really solid. Um, and I, I tend to lean towards Sierra as the best alternative ERA metric uh, besides my FERA. So I think he's really going to still be a solid pitcher next year. There's a lot of strikes, and he throws. He gets guys swinging outside of the zone, so you like that. Yeah, I think, I think we need to kind of bump up all of, or I should say, good pitchers in the AL East because they don't have to face such a high concentration of the AL East anymore. So that's another thing to keep in mind: is he's not going to be facing the Yankees nine times at Yankee Stadium. No um, more Aaron and, Judge home run balls. Yeah. <laughs> no more weak fly balls to right field going over the fence either. Um, I think part of the reason it's hard to, or people might not buy the breakout is it was his first full season as a starter. He only threw 122 innings. Um, but I think that, that number should increase next year. Like I think the most the Rays will let anyone throw, it seems like, is 160. But, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I'd take the ERA over on the ERA. But 
Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, this looks legit. I mean, he walked 29 guys in 122 innings. That is elite command. Yeah, he threw, like I said, he throws strikes, and he throws them early in the count. And he still also gets strikeouts because he still throws like 95 and has good pitches. So he's almost like, um, he, he's like a, a, a super Toby. <laughs> if you like, you listen to like pitcher lists, they, talk, they say like those guys who just like, are kind of down the board and like do a lot of good things, but nothing amazing. But like, he's got a lot better stuff than those type of guys. So I, he is not going to pitch the same amount of innings, but uh, I like Rasmussen a lot to kind of, I don't think he's going to necessarily repeat that ERA, but he's going to have a good whip and he should be pitching like a low threes ERA, I think. And also he's going to get a, a good amount of strikeouts for the innings that he pitches. That's the only thing I was going to say is he doesn't get even close to a strikeout per inning. I mean, his K rate's barely above 20%. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think he can do he... close. I think he can do closer to how he did in uh, 2021. You know, like closer, closer to eight Ks per nine is, I think, what you could see out of Rasmussen. But he was pitching out of the bullpen then, right? So, like, I mean, those K rates are probably going to be hard to replicate as a starter. He he pitched both last year. He was out of the bullpen when the Rays first acquired him because remember they they traded the Brewers and they got him and he was pitching out of the bullpen for the Brewers, and then they kind of eased him into pitching like from the bullpen two three innings whatever, and then then they made him start toward the back end of the year. So remember Just, this is he's he's still learning to to pitch like a starter. He's still learning yeah. to use his repertoire and how to do pitch mix and. Um, everything like that, that's going to be the best for him. But I mean, the main thing is like, dude, throw dude has a 12.1% swing strike rate and he's got a 95 and a half mile per hour fastball. So he can strike out way more guys than 7.7 guys per nine. Like <laughs> he can do the swing strike rate says he can, he's got a swinging strike rate that show that says he can pitch He can strike out more than a guy in any, uh, and that's last year at 12.1% swing strike rate. So I think it's mostly that that Cape and I might be improving would be about optimizing the pitch mix. Uh, just to back up our point, his XERA was 3.46 last year. So yeah, don't expect a sub three ERA. But when you're you're probably talking about drafting this guy probably in the SP40 range. So I mean, even if you're high on him, you don't have to spend a, a high pick to get him. He's another high floor player, I think, with the potential to break out even more. Yeah. If he can figure out the pitch mix and pitch more innings, that's the key. Well, he pitches for the Rays. So, I mean, he's on one of those three or four teams where, like, they're going to maximize what he does well. Yeah. And if he can show that he can do it, then they'll let him. Just like how the Rays let McClanahan do it. Same kind of thing. Uh who do you want to talk about next? Um, is Jesus Lazardo in this tier? I'm sure everyone's so in this tier. I think you wanted to talk about Lodolo, too. He's also in this tier. Yeah. Um, we can start with Lodolo. That's fine. Um, the only thing – I don't know. I had Lodolo last year in a number of leagues, and it kept seeming like he was – breaking out and, and then he'd do he'd have a terrible start and then 
he'd kind of regress and then he'd have another 12 strikeout performance. It's like, Oh wow. Awesome. But he's young. So I think he just needs to figure out how to be a little more consistent, but I think he's got absolutely elite upside. He struck out 131 batters and 103 innings pitched. He had a three, six, six ERA and 19 starts. Um, yeah, his walk rate was under 9%. So his K minus walk rate is 21.1%. God dang it. My phone keeps falling. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's cool. Um, I'll tell you what. I have Nicola Dolo. Um, he is the third best stuff in this tier. The only guys in this tier who have better stuff are Andrew Haney and Hunter Green. And Haney's always hurt. And Hunter Green throws 150 miles an hour or whatever. He has team. no idea where the ball is going. Yeah. Um, if Lodolo were not on the Reds, I'd probably be drafting him as like a number 20 to 25 starter in that range. That's how much I like him. Like, the thing that sucks is that he's on the Reds and he pitches in Great American Small Park, which I think is even worse than Chorus. Uh, definitely worse for home runs. So... I do not like that about Lodolo, and I think that is a part of the fluctuation of playing him, is that you're going to have to... People don't think about this yet. Um, Great American Small Park, like I said, I think it's worse than course. It's definitely worse than course for home run park factor. People should be avoiding it just like how you avoid course. When you see at Cincinnati, you should be thinking the same thing that you think when you see your, your pitchers at Colorado. Like you should, it should be the same feeling like, Oh, beep. Let me get this guy out of here. Like, let me not start this guy this week. That's how you should be thinking when pitcher, when, when you have a pitcher pitching in Cincinnati, when you have a hitter hitting in Cincinnati, you should be starting no matter what. Um, I mean, just to go through some, some things with the Lodolo in 19 starts last year, 20.9% K minus walk rate. This is as a rookie. 12.3% swing strike rate. So better than Rasmussen. 29.8% CSW. Way above league average. 67.3% uh, first ball strike percentage. That's way above league average. 329 Sierra. And even with all the homers that he gave up in the bad starts, 366 ERA. Like, this guy is phenomenal. And... I would be, he if he was not in Cincinnati, I'd be like, this is the next Shane McClanahan. He might still be. He's Shane McClanahan pitching in a crappy ballpark. So like, I love Lodolo, but it's just like just like how we talked about when we were talking about the outfielders. I was all over all the Reds hitters. Like it's like the anti here is like it just scares me. Him pitching in Cincinnati, um, he might he might not be usable if you if the Reds are versus the Dodgers at home. Like you're not. Even Lodolo, you're not going to pitch Lodolo, I don't think, against the Dodgers or the Braves or the maybe the Mets at home, if the Mets get Correa, if that thing ever resolves itself at home. Um, we needed to talk about that. We didn't. But, dude, he only gave up 13 home runs last year. Like, that's not bad. And how many were at home? <laughs> I don't know. Most but remember, also, he only pit, had 19 starts last year. That's true. So, um, you probably – Times at, at another third, so he's probably looking at 21 over the course of the season. But he's just a guy that, like, you draft for the strikeouts and the upside. So, like, maybe you get 
Alcantara early, someone who's got sub two five year A potential again, even with some regression. So maybe you build in two guys who uh especially with the volume of Alcantara. So like you just have to know that when you draft him. Like his ERA is going to be three and a half. Like it just is. But he's got elite strikeout upside. You know, one of the weird things I didn't realize is it might be one of those Rockies type things, but his home and away splits are ridiculous. I heard uh, this on CBS. Yeah, he actually was way better at home at Cincinnati. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. He had, a, he had, for instance, just let this be a, a kind of a little guideline. At home, he had a 23.6% K minus walk rate and a 328 fit. On the road, he had a 16.1% K minus walk rate and a 5 fit. That might just be one of those weird rookie things. Uh, yeah, I would. Cincinnati I would, definitely sucks to pitch at. <laughs> I would expect that to flip. Unless he's one of those guys that, like, maybe he's a, he's a big routine guy. He likes being at home. He likes the crowd. He likes his locker, staying at home, blah, blah, blah. Like, maybe he's just comfortable at home. I mean, there's a lot of things you can't quantify. So, yeah, true. Uh, next dude in this tier I wanted to talk about is Hunter Brown. I love me some Hunter Brown, dude. A lot of yeah. people just know Hunter Brown as like the Justin Verlander lookalike because of Pitcher Ninja, Pitch Ninja uh, with his gifs about that. But um, Oh, no. What's that? I didn't know you were a gif guy. It's gif. Gif? Gif? I don't it's know, GIF. dude. I'm gif is a jar of... I'm, I'm an old man. GIF. I'm like techno- technologically uh, on the decline of my life. At this point, Jeff is peanut butter. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like it's like uh, canola oil. It's like a yeah. processed it's, it's, fatty oil. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> so Hunter Brown, eighteen point eight percent K minus walk rate last year. I know only seven games played, so twenty innings. Uh, he throws ninety six, ninety seven. So he's got heat just like Verlander, Papa Verlander. 31.4% CSW in his small sample size. Throws strikes, 108 whip, 287 Sierra. Only 0.89 ERA. But in AAA, what backs his numbers up is 20.9% K minus walk rate in AAA. 108 whip, 11.7 swing strike rate, 255 ERA. Um, I'm all over Hunter Brown, man. And he's going to, Verlander's gone. He's going to start. Like, I don't understand. If you look at fan graphs, we only give him 10 starts and then 44 appearances out of the bullpen. Who's going to start over him in that rotation right now? Like, come on. You're going to start Arkady over Hunter Brown, your top pitching prospect who dominated last year? I don't think so. Like, I am all over Hunter Brown this year. What are your thoughts so my on only, Hunter Brown? My only pushback is that he only threw 20 innings at the major league level. But I Baseball Savant has this load random video button, and you can filter it by strikeouts or whatever, hits, home runs, whatever you want to see. And, man, he looks good. He does. He's got that wicked curveball. He's got 96 he can paint. Um, yeah, he looks legit. But – yeah, I don't think he has an opening day rotation unless someone gets hurt. But with that being said, 
two of those people in that rotation are Lance McCullers and Jose Arquiti. So, like, he will be starting at some point. I just don't know if the Astros want it to be opening day. So, I mean, that part makes me nervous. But he's one of those guys that, like, by the time we draft, we'll know. All these early drafts we're doing, you can get the discount absolutely because he doesn't have an, a guaranteed starting spot yet. So, yeah. Get, I'm, get I'm, this. I'm there. I'm there with you. I'm in on Hunter Brown too. Get this, dude. Hunter Brown, uh, in his small sample size, had a 36% CSW on his fastball. Wow, that's like unheard of for a fastball. 36% CSW. That's Max. That's Max Scherzer level dominant <laughs> fastball. Yeah, he threw it 53% of the time. Uh, so he's mostly fastball curve slider. Uh, he has a splitter and a changeup, but he barely throws them. But um, yeah, exactly. I mean, like that's why he gets the Verlander comps, like strong fastball, uh, and also big ground ball guy. He had a sixty-six point seven percent ground ball rate in his twenty innings or whatever last year. Um, and and guess what, Ramy, you're gonna love this. Guess where he's from? Michigan, Detroit. Yeah, he went to Wayne State, I think. Which is in Detroit, for those of you who aren't from Michigan. He should be your boy, then. Who you got? Who's your next guy? You want to talk about the the lizard eater? Yeah, Mr. got suspended and ruined his trade or his uh, value. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, we're talking about Jesus Lizardo. I've always been a Lizardo fan, going back to those Marlin days. Or not Marlin days, A's days. Terrible teams, easy to get them mixed up. Um, but then they, he just could never put it together with Oakland, and then he got suspended, and then he got traded straight up for Starling Marte, which is I think everyone was shocked by. But then he was really good for the Marlins in the second half last year. Um, what he threw a hundred innings, one hundred twenty strikeouts, a one hundred four WHIP, over eighteen starts. Uh, three three two ERA. Yeah. I mean, How many innings did he pitch in the second half? I remember him getting hurt and missing a good chunk of the second half. But I know, I know he was good when he played. But um, so he had four starts in April, two in May, and then he didn't pitch again until August. So he was hurt for half of May. April or May, June, July, two and a half solid months. You know, he was what he did last year. The reason I think he got so much better and why he, he kind of rebounded from his really bad 2021 is just throwing a ton of first, first pitch strikes. Uh, because if you look at his stuff, like his swing strike rate and his CSW is good every year. That like barely changes. But what does change is his first pitch strike rate went from 58% in 2021 to 65.3% in 2022. Everything else is pretty much the same across the board. So that's besides maybe like some mechanics changes. That's what shows to me that he really progresses a pitcher. And he's still young too. Um, with Lizardo, I think a lot of us have prospect fatigue with him. 
right? Yeah, because I think like a few, absolutely. A few years ago, we were all drafting him in the top 30 or whatever uh, when he came off that rookie year. And then he just had that really bad year and it kind of like made everyone go down because everyone drafted a high and then he disappointed. So now nobody wanted him anymore. Um, I might, I might be too low on him. Do you think I'm too low on him? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's kind of warranted a, because this is kind of where he's being drafted and B because everything I just mentioned, he hasn't done it for a full season yet. So I think that's what you mentioned something. I don't know if we were recording yet, but you said that like this middle tier is just blobs and like all these guys are so similar. And I, I'm really starting to I agree with that. Like, there's so many of these pitchers who are interesting. And you can see taking this step forward or just continuing what they did last year over a bigger sample size. And then you'd call that a breakout. So yeah, I, right. I mean, like so Christian no, Javier I, I think, at the very top of this tier. Yeah. Jesus Lazardo at the very bottom of the tier could do the same thing. <laughs> like, Arguably, they could do the same exact thing next year, right? I mean, a guy we just talked about, Jordan Montgomery. Like, if he does what he did with the Cardinals for all of next season, boom, breakout. You know, one of the weird things about Lazardo, I don't know if you knew this, but um, he's a his number one pitch that he throws is a cur- is the curve. He throws the curveball twenty eight percent of the time. And then sinker 25% of the time. And so one of the big, this is one of the big changes that he made this year is in 2021, the pitch that he threw the most was the four seam fastball. He threw it 32% of the time, then the curve, then the changeup, then the sinker. So at 32% four seamer, 29 curve, 20 changeup and 19 sinker. Last year, he threw the curveball the most 28% of the time. The sinker the second most, 25% of the time. Change up third most, 23% of the time. And four seamer least, 22% of the time. So um, my es- my guesstimate on why might be his four seamer, because it does ha- it is not a bad four seamer. Like he has heat. So it must just be really easy to pick up or something like that. Like it must just it must just come out of his hand. You know, they always talk about uh, these guys who are really good at hiding their fastballs and making it look like a lot fat. Like, remember Joey Lucchesi was throwing like a 90-mile-per-hour fastball that when he first came up, nobody could hit. This was the way it came yeah. out of his hand. Maybe Lazaro's like the opposite. Like, the, when he throws his fastball, you're just like, oh, fastball, boom. Like, <laughs> and and that, that change, that looks like something that might be why, um, might be why he progressed so much this last year from, from the previous year. Cause even in his other couple of years, he was not throwing this four seamer. When he was with Oakland, his rookie year and his second year when he was pretty good, he only threw the four, the four seamer 17 and 18% of the time. So I think, I think that's something is it's that four just throwing that four seamer too much. Got him rocked. Yeah. And maybe the Marlins are the ones who helped him figure that out. Maybe he figured it out on his own, but Marlin, Miami's a great place to pitch. Um, he is only one year older than – or one year younger – no, older, sorry, geez, than uh, Nick Lodolo. So I definitely think prospect fatigue is something. Like, he's he's been around since 2019 with Oakland. So I think uh, he's definitely a guy I'm going to target, target late. 
Yeah, talking about prospect fatigue, I want to give a special shout-out to Brian Bayo, uh, who is another guy in this tier who I think could really take steps forward. Talking about how bad the Red Sox are going to be, uh, he could be one of those steps forward for them because he was really good at his last few starts at the end of the year. And it kind of went unnoticed because everybody started getting into football mode. So um, if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of our loyal listeners, here's a nice tip for you. Brian Bayo, all the football people don't even know who this guy is. Draft him around 55, 60, and you'll, you'll be very happy with that pick. Um, the last guy, though, in this tier I really wanted to dig into is Logan Gilbert. Um, I love me some Logan Gilbert, dude, because I think he's just super solid across the board. Uh, and he always has been, like even from when he was young. Uh, so his F scores, just to get in a little F score action in here, Logan Gilbert, my number 37 pitcher, has a 108 durability, 106 stuff, 105 control, 109 FERA. And there's a lot of room for growth still in there because he has a 107 F score, but a 117 future F score. And that means that a lot of that stuff is trending up. He probably had a much stronger second half in the first half. Some of this under the rate, under the, uh, under the uh, hood type stuff was showing up in the second half. Uh, one of the weird things with Gilbert is that his CSW is like super low for a guy who has the stuff that he has. Uh, but he has really great command, so he kind of counters that a bit. And I know he's boys with Jacob DeGrom, so that can't hurt him. Like last year, there's a lot of, uh, about him training with DeGrom in the offseason. Um, but he was a second-year pitcher last year and pitched 185 innings. So he could be one of these really nice, like durable innings dudes who's going to get a good ERA. He's going to get a good whip. And his strikeouts are going to come more from the bulk than from the K stuff. Kind of like a Sandy. He could be like the next kind of like Sandy in that class, right? Where like he just comes from just being very consistent and bulk quality innings. So what do you think about Logan Gilbert? No, I like Logan Gilbert a lot. The 185 innings is what I was going to touch on too. Um, I don't know if people know this, but he's 6'6". So he has just elite extension. So when he lets go of the ball, it is closer to home plate than all of his shorter counterparts in baseball. So the, his, his already fast fastball seems much faster to the hitters. And the thing I like about him is I'm looking at baseball savant here, and I noticed his August ERA was almost seven. And he rebounded in September with a 2.0. ERA across six starts. So, like, maybe he got tired. Maybe they started to figure him out and he adjusted back. Like, that's that's something really encouraging to see out of a young player. Like, like starting to get rocked, didn't win a game, had five starts, just got shelled, and then figured it out and came back with a strong September. Yeah, he, dude, I like so many pitchers this year. And, like, I, I kind of wanted to mention, like, Scott White has been all over the – draft hitters first and wait on pitcher because of the glob. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I really agree with that. I was starting to think about the, the shift and the ground ball rate. and I don't know what my, my opinion on starting pitching is, but. No, I'm, I'm think... there. Like all these pitchers in this, up to this end of the tier, I'm very like, you could draft any of these 57 pitchers and the, up to this tier 
And I think these are all number three, number four starters. Like this tier here is like number three, number four types, I think, in your league. So like I'd be very comfortable with getting four of any of these top 57. Like that's like my goal when I'm drafting is I want to get four of these top 57 guys. If I can get five, even better. But like I want to at least get four of these guys. Because once you get into the next tiers, I guess we'll say for the next show, um, you start getting into some more uncertainty. But I'm very positive and like pretty certain that all these guys in this top 57 here that we have are going to be good next year. Like I, I have very little doubts minus injury potential that these guys would not be good. Um, yeah, dude. Like I'm, I'm looking at your F scores right now, and like the only guys I'm not like I don't look at, and like yeah, I really like them. I like get excited about. It's like Tyler Glass now, Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell, Logan Webb, and then a couple other guys in this tier, but like. I mean, that's what, two or six out of 57? Like, <laughs> you're, exa- you're exactly right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm, pre- I'm pretty confident in all these guys performing. Um, a little more on Gilbert before we move on. Um, I think you had, maybe had one more guy you want to talk about. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But Gilbert, um, something I noticed is this dude just pounds the zone with the fastball. And something that could make him better next year is throwing more of the curve. He pitched 54% four seamers last year, 24% sliders, which he does have a really nice slider, but that curve is getting better. He had a 32.4% CSW, which was his best pitch by CSW last year on the curveball. And honestly, with the height and the curve, which is a really strong kind of like power curve. He reminds me of like a like a young and the, the durability like an, a young Adam Wainwright with a much better fastball. It's kind of what he reminds me of a little bit. Uh, just to throw a comp out there. You know who he he reminds me of uh, uh, Doug Fister. Fister was so good for like two years. That's a name I haven't yeah. heard of in forever. Well, dude, that was the Tigers stole him from the Mariners. Yeah. He was really good for like two years. That's a, that's yeah. a name, dude. Uh, anyone else in this tier you want to throw out there? Was, I guess you were right. I was gonna. I thought we could get through three tiers. I'm a failure. I'm a liar. <laughs> and we barely <laughs> we talked any in the next podcast. We, did, we didn't talk any news either. <laughs> um, no, I I really like Tony Gonsolin. I think, or I hope he can stay healthy. And I hope the changes he made with the Double Magic Dodgers sticks. Um, no, I think I'm okay. I don't think I'm dying to talk about anyone else. Yeah, I mean, there's some fun, even in this tier, the lo- the last tier in these 57. You have guys who have so much upside. Like, Freddie Peralta was getting drafted as a top 20 pitcher last year. And I've got him here at 39. And then we've got Dude, here I, Charlie Jeffrey Moore. Springs. Dude, there's yeah. a whole bunch of people super high on Jeffrey Springs this year. I am. It's just the innings. It's, he's like... I like him kind of like Rasmussen. He's like a year behind Rasmussen almost because he got converted in the middle of last year from reliever to starter. But 124 stuff, like I like Jeffrey Springs. He's older too, so a lot of people are going to be down on him because of the age. Um, like I said, Bayo, like Bayo has six stuff if he can put it together. If he can continue the way that he left off. Even like at the back end here, 
like Miles Michaelis is a really nice like fifth starter. If you need like a fifth starter who's just going to help you with the ratios, he's not going to strike guys out, but he's going to have a really nice ERA and a really nice whip, and he's going to pitch a lot of innings. So he's a really good in like a, 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 a Roto League is like a stabilizer to just like stabilize the numbers. If you could draft someone that's like very high volatility, like if you get like a Jacob deGrom, then you want like someone like Miles Michaelis like later in the draft to kind of stabilize uh, the volatility of drafting a D- Jacob deGrom. So, um, yeah, man, you got anything to say before we wrap this up? Um, 57 days till spring training. Ooh, I like it. The countdown. I saw 60 the other day and I haven't even thought about it since then, but you got the countdown going. We need a clock. Um, the Atenu League, I think, is full. If you are interested, though, please reach out still because there could be someone who drops out or maybe someone has second thoughts later. So if you want to get on a waiting list for the Atenu League, the Fantasy Baseball Atenu League, hit me up. I'd like to get a little bit of a waiting list just in case uh, somebody gets cold feet of a 16-team, 40-man roster league. And we will be back Next time in a couple days for starting pitchers part three. Probably we'll get two tiers in, Raymond. They're big tiers. We'll shoot for two. Maybe we'll talk about two guys each. Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah, right. And then and then what's going to happen is Brian Reynolds and Pablo Lopez are both going to get traded. <laughs> so it's like we're going to be talking about that for 30 minutes. So <laughs> You guys, there's 41 players in these two in tiers. In those two tiers. <laughs> <laughs> pick and oh choose, pick and choose. Just pick, t- pick two, two in a tier. So we got. Then we each. Ha- then we're gonna have uh, four times three is twelve guys that we talk about. So out of the forty-two, we'll talk about twelve guys. We'll name them off, and then we'll talk about the twelve. If we get, if we keep the two or three minutes a guy, I think we can make it happen. <laughs> I'll leave. I'll get the stopwatch. Right. <laughs> All right, Raymond, lead us out. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast in December, you are committed. Uh, excited for 2023. Yep.